2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 18. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified, just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into love of God and into the patience of Christ. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have the have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we commend and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, (laughs) note that every person... Uh, note that person and do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed yet do not count him as an enemy but admonish him as a brother now may the lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way the lord be with you all the salutation of paul with my own hand which is a sign to every epistle so i write the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you all amen Thanks, Rachel. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, Doing good? That's what we're talking about. uh, We've been talking about good works right along in Thessalonians and how all that plays out and what part does it play in a Christian's life. So that's why I picked this uh, epistle, but... You know, there's good things in this epistle, and then there's the mention of work, and then there's good this, good that, good work. So the words good and the word work are kind of what we've been looking at. So we'll do a real quick review, just so that we can tie all this together, because there's also, you might have noticed a lot of prophecy stuff that seems like it confuses everything, and, but there's a really simple message in the middle of this that really has little to do with the prophecy other than stop worrying about it. It's kind of what he's getting at. So anyway, we'll go through it real quick and try to tie that up a bit. But look at chapter 1, verse 11. It's where this whole thing started. It said, Therefore we also pray always for you to our God, our God, inclusive thing, kind of a Christian leader, that our God would count you worthy of the calling and fulfill 
all the good pleasure of his goodness. So something about God calling us as believers to live up to or measure or participate in something. And there's two things there. One, his uh, good pleasure, and, and the other, the work of faith. So when you look at that, God is calling us to participate in the good pleasure of his goodness. Now, tied together with Christmas, we know that that good pleasure is the same word as goodwill. So when the angel showed up on the first Christmas there to the shepherds, he said, goodwill, peace on earth. It's the same word. And somewhere along the line, Paul is now saying that that message that was announced by angels to the shepherds is something that man is now participating in. That mankind and I would guess the church specifically, is to be somehow forwarding the good pleasure of God's will, of God's goodness. Good pleasure and goodwill being the same word. But this is what God wants for all of us is good. So, and you mix that up with all the end time, deep, dark, and evil stuff. So Paul's trying to say, Stop worrying about the bad stuff. It's God's plan is the good stuff. And the second part of it is the uh, the work of faith with power. We have things to do. God is calling us to participate in the work of faith with power. There's something we need to be working at, something as believers, as a church, we need to be doing. So do we do we really believe that we have work here to do? I mean, each and every person as an individual, do we believe we have work to do in in the church or in the community? Well, I mean, what's God really want me to do? What is my work? What is my life mission? Why have I been called into this life of faith and trust in Him as Lord and Savior? Well, here He seems to indicate, well, i got a couple things for you to do. I want you to be involved in the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. And all of this has something to do with the Lord Jesus. So you go to chapter 2, and you get to the next verse. It says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ being a Greek word for Messiah. And that's one thing. The dark day of the Lord is coming. The day of tribulation is coming. The second thing is the gathering together to Him. Though well, that's First Thessalonians 4. We're caught up in the air together with Him. So he's outlining there's two things that are happening. Now the Thessalonians are all nervous. They think they missed the rapture, which is the second one here, are gathering together to him. And they think they're in the great tribulation, which is the day of Christ, the day of the Lord, the day of Jacob's trouble, the deep, dark, great tribulation thing. And neither one is true. And Paul's saying, so all right, let's, let's go through this again, because we've talked about this before. And he, all of that's in chapter 2. So there's the two things. The uh, day of the Lord and the gathering together. Two separate, two separate entities. Two separate activities. Now, let's see here. What about the good work stuff? What about the goodwill and the work of faith? How does that... I mean, the rapture hasn't happened yet. We're still here. We must have time to do some things, right? What are we supposed to be doing? And if we're not living in the tribulation, the really deep, dark, terrible stuff, then 
what's all this persecution thing that's going on? Isn't there, I mean, is the church being persecuted in some places in the world? It's pretty bad. And as bad as it is, it's not the great tribulation. I mean, there's a time coming when people who missed the gathering together, the rapture thing, and they haven't heard the gospel, they're going to enter into that dark time. And it says in this chapter that they will be so deceived and deluded that they won't have an opportunity to come to Christ later. So the seriousness of the rapture and the fact that it hasn't happened yet is this. We have time to exercise faith in Christ, maybe for the first time. And if you haven't done it yet, if you haven't seen Christ as the only Savior, death, burial, and resurrection, now's the time to do that. Because the church literally could be taken out at any time. We could go home. Where do you get that from? Well, there's two more things in chapters or verses 6 and 7 of this chapter. <clears throat> the what and the who. What is restraining and he who now restrains. We talked about this last week, too. The what is the church participating in the goodwill and the work of faith. The what is the church. You realize it's the church that's restraining. Well, who's, who, who, who are we restraining? The man of sin, the son of perdition, the lawless one. It's all in chapter 2. Who do their work by the power of Satan. The church is holding that down. We, the church, are involved in doesn't that seem, I mean, that's powerful stuff right there. I'm going to plant a church in the mouth of the gates of hell, and the hell will not prevail against it. And here we are in Freeport, and this is what we do. And what's our job? To establish a stronghold for the name of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here. That's what we're doing. But the church is involved in this, and the church is helping restrain the revelation of the great and evil wicked that's coming. When is that going to end? When the rapture occurs and the church is taken out, who's going to stop it? Now, who's helping the church to get that done? Who is the who in that passage? Well, he who restrains is the Holy Spirit of God. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit of God. And he's got quite a ministry going. I don't think it's the ministry that half the church thinks he's got going most of the time. I think the Holy Spirit's doing some things like John talked about in chapter 16. I'll just read it to you quick. Oh, it might even be on the board. Yeah, here it is. This is what the Holy Spirit's been doing for a long time. Convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And when you put that together with, oh, how is he going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment? He just float around and zap, zap, zap people. You're in, you're out. No, he's doing this in tandem with the church. He has given us the opportunity to speak and to preach and to share the word. As we talked last week, again, you know, if you read the Gideon Bible, a man printed that thing. Was it Gutenberg made the first press? Don would know this. Am I right or am I right? I'm right. Score! Yeah, and you get down there to the Library of Congress in D.C., and they got the great big Bible out there with all the handwork scrolling around it, but it's one of the first ones ever printed in the, the world. It's really cool to see. But a man did that, and then the Holy Spirit comes in behind and takes the word that was spoken and zaps power into all of that. You know, 
not by the word only, but by power and assurance and the Holy Ghost. First Thessalonians 1 5, I think it is. And you know how we were among you. For your sake, we behaved orderly in the way that we should, Paul says. So there's two things the what that is restraining and the who that is restraining. So, what's the work that the what has to do? What are we supposed to be doing? Is there some big secret super spiritual ministry that each one of us is supposed to have in order to hold off the wicked one? Yes, there is. And Paul talks about it in this next chapter. We get to, I'm going to show it to you. It's so big that you probably never thought about it. But we'll get there. Verse 16 and 17 of chapter 2. <clears throat> it's still part of the review here. So it's all one epistle all three chapters now the lord jesus christ himself and our god and father who loved us and has given us everlasting consolation by the way that lasts a long time and everlasting good hope which comes to us by grace the comfort and the hope is everlasting and by grace and in the Thessalonians 4, he says, comfort each other with this hope that the rapture is still coming. So while you're working and doing things, you have this everlasting comfort that God has not forgotten us and that he is going to be with us. He's giving us these things by grace so that we can do that really big work that he has for us to do. And it's so important that we as a church and we as individuals in a church get this in our minds, what it is that God has for us to do. What is this great work? You know, this calling that we're to measure up to and participate in. Comfort your hearts. Established in Christ. Oh, to every good word and good work. The word there basically is logos, it's logic, it's the essence of all things that make sense in the universe. We have a connection to with, with the most logical philosophy, if you want to call it that. But it's more than that, it's a person, because in the beginning was the logos, was Christ himself. We have a very good logical system upon which we rest our faith. Our faith and our hope, everything is wrapped up in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who paid the price in full, and it's all been done. All we have to do is finish the course, hold the course, stay the course, get the work done that he's called us to do. This really big ministry thing. Good word and good work, and somehow it's the logical work stuff, the really good logical and the really good hard work stuff that puts a church together. So, we have this everlasting comfort, good hope, brought to us by the grace of God through the death, burial, and resurrection. We have this good word, the logic stuff, the only thing that really makes sense, and we have a really good work to participate in. It sounds really super spiritual, though, doesn't it? What is it? Hey, what's your super spiritual ministry? You know, I, I get to be the preacher. That's mine, I guess. Woohoo! You know, I don't know. Is everybody supposed to be a preacher? What's what's the super work that we have? 
mean, I can get up here and mouth off and tell jokes and sometimes put Scripture together make sense of it, but if that's my responsibility, well, that's what I do. So that's what I do. But what's yours? What's, what's the really big thing that all of us should have in common? Well, here's uh, how am I to participate in this calling of His goodwill and the work of faith with power. How? Maybe what? What am I supposed to do in order to satisfy the good pleasure of His goodness so that when I come before the Lord, He looks and says, Well done, good and faithful servant. This isn't about being saved. This is about what do I do after I get saved. It's, it's the stuff that we do day by day. The, the goodwill of His goodness and the work of faith with power. And I think the power comes to us when we're involved with the Holy Spirit of God, when God is with us and God is in His church. But, you know, what do we do? What do we do? Here's a little rundown. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work, he says in chapter 2. The rapture is coming. The church folks are being persecuted around the world. The man of sin is coming. The son of perdition is revealed. The lawless one is on the way. People are lost and without Christ. Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. And the little church is struggling here in Thessalonica slash Freeport. What are we doing? Thanksgiving's coming up. We're going to give thanks. And Christians of all people should always be giving thanks. We should be the most thankful people on the face of the earth. But in the midst of all of that chapter 2 stuff, you know, and so far, the real thing is that we have work to do, but he hasn't really said yet, what is it? He just he hasn't said yet. Well, this gets us to chapter 3. And chapter 3, 13 reads like this. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Well, there it is. You're supposed to do good. Well, what is it? Doesn't that kind of leave you like, okay, Paul, could you spell it out? I mean, we're supposed to be doing something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the good pleasure of God's will and the work of faith by power. Get out there and get her done, man. It's like, but, but I, I don't understand that. <laughs> it's not real plain for me. I mean, if we quit right now and close in prayer, everybody would go out and say, okay, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, we, that's the way you feel about it. when you read the book sometimes. It's like, okay, Paul, what's the thing here? What's the thing? You know, and he says, uh, well, there's two things we should be about. This back in chapter 1 again, he says, pray. You church folks, be praying, give thanks to God. One, you should be about the good pleasure of his and the work faith. Well, chapter three, we'll go on verses uh verse one. It's only take a few more minutes, we'll be there. It's coming. It's in this chapter. Finally, brethren, <clears throat> pray for us that the logical stuff we've been teaching, the word, the logos, the logic stuff of the Lord may run free and fast as it is with you. So you go back in First Thessalonians, you'll read in the first chapter, it says, you guys have the faith, you have the love, you have the patience, you, you're doing the stuff. All over Galatia, they all know what you're up to. As it is with you, that the church in Thessalonica, for all the suffering and confusion they had, for all the persecution they were going through because of the Jewish people in their area, 
the word of God was spreading. The logic of the position they held, the logic of the place wherein they stood in grace was strong. And Paul acknowledges it. So he says, pray for me. You know, that that we who are out here, Paul and Timothy and whoever was with him, that we might be delivered from unreasonable men. Unreasonable, out of place and improper people. Wicked men, evil. Uh, degeneracy from the original value. Isn't that interesting, those words? It's translated unreasonable and wicked, but they, they no longer serve the purpose for which they were created. Why? Because they gave up on faith in God. And that, isn't that what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden? They, they left the purpose for which they were created. And that's what Paul's talking about here, that the problem with the word spreading throughout an area has a, and the wicked and the opposition, the persecution and the suffering has a lot to do with people who do not have faith. And here's, I think, part of the secret is that the church's responsibility is to reach these people. Pray for us that the word has free run so that we can reach people who are out of place and have no longer live up to their the use for which God had created them. These people, they don't have faith. And then he backs it up with, but don't worry, the Lord is faithful. He's coming for the church. The rapture hasn't happened. You're not in the tribulation. There is persecution. There are wicked and evil men running the wild. We're trying to reach them with the gospel of Christ. And he says, but as bad as that is, don't worry, because these people in Thessalonica thought they were in the tribulation. They thought the evil one. And what Paul's telling them is that this is not the man of sin, the son of perdition, the lawless one who's all run by Satan. This is not the evil one. Yes, there are wicked people out there, but this is not the evil one. You, you, don't worry about that. We won't be persecuted. That's, in this age, yes, we will be. And many Christians are being persecuted. But the reason the church is here is so that those people can come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. It says that in chapter 1. The reason the church is here is to be involved in all of this. We're in front of the gates of hell. We're here in Freeport to witness to people, to love people, and to hang out with people and lead them to Christ somehow. And what's my big ministry then, this good pleasure and this work of faith thing? You know, what, what am I supposed to be doing in the midst of all this? Well, God is faithful. He's going to establish us, and He's going to take care of all of this. Um, you go on to verse 4. Let's just read down through this a minute. We have this confidence in the Lord concerning you that you do and will do the thing. That's it. We just need to learn the thing. What is the thing? You know, and Paul's he's said this over and over and over. You have to do, 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 word. What's the thing, Paul? Come on. And it's so simple that it's why I think we often miss it when we are studying this passage. But it's in here. I'll show you. We commanded, we commanded you, now may the Lord direct your hearts. Now here's one of the things, into the love of God. Here's another one, into the patience of Christ. 
Are you loving and patient? But we commanded you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that you withdraw from everyone who walks disorderly. So there's another one. We should be walking orderly. We should have a different kind of walk than what the world has. Well, what kind of disorder is he talking about? Verse 7, For you yourselves know that you ought to follow us. We were not disorderly. You know how we were among you, First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.5, that's what he said. We didn't eat anyone else's bread for free. We worked. We had a day job with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you because... Not because we don't have authority. I have every right in the world to say, hey, you ought to feed me. I'm up here preaching. That's what he's saying. He's, but we didn't take advantage of that. Why? Because we're more interested in being an example that you should follow. You should be doing good. What kind of good? Love, patience, walking orderly. Do not leech off society. Be an example. What is he talking about? Isn't it? Is that complicated stuff? Not really. Pretty basic. Deep spiritual ministry? Not yet. Actually, what he's saying is, this is how we reach a community. This is it. Be a good example of doing good. Love, patience, walking orderly. Don't be a leech on society. Work. Verse 10, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. And that does a real number on the welfare system in America, doesn't it? Because there are, now, now granted, there are people who need help. We all know that. And there are people who refuse work and you know we we do the food truck thing or the food delivery days coming up we have a lot of people that come here because they need help is there so, are there some in there that really don't need help maybe not our job to sort them out necessarily but they need help so we help because it, it's in the doing of good things that the normal, regular, everyday, routine, get-up-and-go-to-work stuff is the biggest ministry the church has, day after day after day, to get up, punch in, and live out the routine harshness of a day's work with your fellow employees. As they say, it's hard to soar with the eagles when you work with a bunch of turkeys. We get it. It's a hard job. Life is tough. But isn't it interesting that of all the things Paul could talk about at this point, about the goodness of God and the work of faith with power, it comes down to walk orderly, go to work, get a job. It is so simple that we always miss it. And we nobody wants to study Second Thessalonians because maybe we don't want to work. I don't know. Maybe we just don't know what it's saying. But to me, it just looks like, okay, if I can, I should. 
And if I can't, then I should be somehow being productive in society somehow, some way. There are things I should be doing that help add value to uh, the whole program. Verse 11, For we hear that some of you, that some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, and are busybodies. So they not only work, but they lay around gossiping all the time looking for free stuff and talking about how bad it is and this and that and whining and crying and leeching on society. The the church should not be participating in that. If God is our benevolent and the, the grace giver of all good things, even like we've been singing about tonight, there's still a part of it that is like, get to work. And it's the work of faith. The daily going through the day work stuff, expecting God to help and encourage and build our lives. And every one of us, as it says in another place, should work hard enough that we have a little bit extra to share so that we can be involved in a good way in the community. Verse 12, Now, those who are such, they basically disorderly, not working, and busybodies, uh, don't hang out with them. He gets goes on to say, but now let's see, those exhort the, through the Lord Jesus that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in, in doing good. 14, for if anyone does not obey the word of this epistle, note that person and don't keep company. with Just don't hang out with them so much so that they might begin to think about things. And comes out ashamed here. Yet do not count them as an enemy. We're not trying to write people off, but admonish them. In other words, I mean, sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk frank about stuff. You know, man, dude, you need to take care of your family, your life, do something. You know, 10 bucks an hour is better than 9, and 11 better than 10. Something's better than nothing. I mean, I... I've been on hard times, unemployed, and it's it's hard, isn't it? Anybody here ever been unemployed? It's tight. I mean, it's like scares the life out of you. And then you try to do something, take any job to try to not get it, make it any worse. He's like, Lord, I need your help, and all that's part of our training. I, you know, there's no way to sort it really in a way that makes sense for all of us and nor do I want to shame all of us into feeling bad about our jobs but we should just participate in life and have this attitude of wanting and getting involved and being creative and doing things and it's this regular day job stuff and here's a note every church that's open, has somebody preaching on Sunday. You know that, right? You know how many dead churches are open every Sunday? And every dead church has a preacher too. So Christianity isn't just about the preacher, nor should it ever be. It's about the saints in the pews. It's about every one of us getting up and doing our job. This is what I do on Sunday. What do you do on, what do you do on, what do you do? What's your job? And to think that your job, whatever it is, is somehow less spiritual than my job is a pagan idea, according to the Apostle Paul. 
And so whatever you do, do wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. Why? Because work is a holy thing. Solomon talks all about it in Ecclesiastes. It's the most wonderful thing that God has given us work to do. It's in the Bible. This is the work, the good pleasure of His will being accomplished in the world today, reaching the wicked and the evil people by virtue of a church that participates in real time in the community, in uh, the family, in the, the church itself, that we're involved in participating and being productive. And if anybody is not... Man, what do you need? How can we help? That's what we. Where that's where we should be. What can we do to help you get on your feet? That's where we should be. And teach them to fish. Let's see here. Uh, what is this doing good thing according to Second Thessalonians? I think we covered it. All right, here's the answer. Be productive in your community. Be productive at home, in the village, in the church, in the world. Good hope, good word, good work. God is with us. Don't worry about all the other stuff. You want the short answer? Here's the short answer. That's that's super spiritual stuff, man. And that's what we miss when we read Second Thessalonians. This is super spiritual stuff. You know, uh, I have a couple family members that can't work. They just can't. And they've been on the take a long time. I don't mean that in a negative way, but they just can't perform in society. But I know other people who could, and they don't want to because they get too much free stuff, and they don't. And both claim to be Christians. Not my job to judge. But if we, as people in a church, with thankful hearts to God Almighty, could get this little concept right here, that your daily job, whether it's 10 hours a week or 50 hours, that job, God-given, is a super spiritual ministry. But it depends on how we handle it during the week. Why should I work? Well, because the gospel is in question. Our first line of defense in ministry is to be a productive citizen until the Lord returns. That's what Second Thessalonians is about. The rapture hasn't occurred. We're not in the tribulation. We need to be about the work. All of it. Providing and caring for one another, our neighbors, and the church, everything. No one believes a message that's delivered to you by an unlazy or an unemployed lazy gossip. Would you listen to somebody in that category? Would you? I mean, it's like getting your advice at the bar at ten o'clock at night from a guy on a stool. I mean, who does that? A lot of people, but why? You know, this this isn't the thing. This is not what we should be about. And it affects the gospel. It really does in the way that we live our lives day by day. So whatever we find to do, let us do it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. Let us be productive as Christians 
in this world. Mandy? Yes, yeah.